Well, thank you for your warm welcome. It's so good to be here after hearing so much from chatting with Pete and, uh, and now finally meeting you face to face. Um, and also for the warm welcome because I remember uh, I was preaching, uh, I think it was last week at Ridley, and uh, I was quite nervous and actually someone came up to me afterwards who'd never met me before and said, you sounded a bit nervous. Um, and, and, I, and I had introduced my sermon by saying, do you, do you know what the first thought that went through my mind as I found out that I was preaching at Ridley Chapel. And it wasn't, you know, what should I wear or um, what should I preach on, all those sort of important things. Um, It was rather, is it possible to retroactively fail my Ridley degree? (laughs) And so that was was the stress and I can't retroactively fail anything here. Um, So I'm excited to be here and it's great to have a warm welcome. and while I, these doubts were going through my mind, I really wanted, uh, I came across this passage that, um, that I felt like God wanted us, me to preach on, and there's something really powerful in it that I really want to share with you this morning. So let's pray, uh, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, as I come to you this morning, as we come to you this morning hungry for your word, longing to be nourished by you, the bread of life, uh, I lay this time before you and ask that Uh, your will would be done, that your word would be preached truthfully, and that your word would transform us for your glory. And in your name we pray. Amen. So what we're going to do this morning is kind of do what the French call a survol, sur meaning over and vol meaning flight. So we're going to fly over the passage. The first four verses we're going to go through quite quickly, and we're going to head through to that last verse that, um, that we heard this morning. Uh, so hopefully, uh, yeah, you'll be really encouraged, as encouraged as what I have been by this passage in the past few weeks. So, in the beginning was the Word. Now, what is the Word? Yeah? Um, the Word, the Word that made Jesus come to life. Yes, the Word that made Jesus come to life. The Word is Jesus in this passage. When we say, in the beginning was the Word, we're talking about Jesus. So, in the beginning was the Word... And the word was God. Uh, the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, this starts very differently from what we see in other in other gospels. Um, he starts from the very, very beginning, beginning of not the story, but of creation. He brings us right back to that scene of creation in Genesis. In the beginning was the word. Uh, sorry, <laughs> in the beginning, God. Uh, and if you read this passage, it starts in that scene of creation. It starts back in the beginning when there was darkness. And if you read in Genesis 1, now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God hovered over the waters. So that's the image that John starts us with, this idea of in the beginning was the word. He doesn't go through uh, what Matthew does, and Matthew goes through a genealogy, and he's like, okay, so this is, this is the family tree of Jesus. This is how we get from Adam uh, to, to Jesus, Actually, which puts Jesus in time. He's like, this is how Jesus fits in this whole family tree of, of the world. Whereas John, he actually does the opposite, and he says, Jesus is not just in time, he's actually outside of time. He was there before the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And so in case it isn't clear, Jesus is outside of time as well as being in it. He was already with God in the beginning. And so then we skip 
we don't skip, we head straight to verse 2 and he says, he was with God in the beginning. Now the key word there is with, because Jesus is in relationship with God. The word is with God. So if I'm with a friend, I'm, I have a relationship with that friend. If I'm in class with my teacher, I have a relationship with my teacher. So that word with shows that Jesus was, is relational. He's in relationship with God. He was with God in the beginning. The word is relational. Outside of time, Jesus was present with God in the beginning. Then we get to verse 3. So I'm going pretty fast through these here. Um, he says, through, thing, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So outside of time, he was present with God. And through him, all things were made. So just he doesn't say Jesus is a creator. He says Jesus is the creator in the sense that he makes sure it's clear that nothing on earth was created. Nothing was created if it wasn't through him that all things were made. So it's really insisting that we're talking about the creator, not one of the many creators. At the time, some people thought that there were many creators, that some things, the, the ocean came one way and the, the earth came another and then the animals and the people, whereas this, clear, this is clear in the passage that through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. There's only one creator. And then we, we're still in this kind of creation image and we get to verse 4. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. Again, this kind of conjures up those images of creation when God breathed life into Adam and into Eve. So we're still sort of situated in the beginning. So if you can imagine uh, in a movie, you know when the, you have that moving and it starts off with a in the beginning. So you kind of have that image of the beginning and it's kind of all dark and there's images of creation. It's the very beginning of the story. But in this verse 4, what you see is that it sort of switches because it starts off, and again, you can imagine that film kind of, oh, everything's dark and they're explaining in the beginning. And then it comes up and it changes scenes uh, and you're suddenly in the modern day. And that's kind of what happens here in the sense that he goes, in him was life, so that idea of God breathing life into humanity. And life was the light of all mankind. So suddenly we've switched from just Adam and Eve to all of mankind. So we're kind of switching out of that creation image and then going into a bigger picture of all mankind. So this is why the passage... Sorry, I've lost my point. <laughs> so from creation, that life that was in him, then John transitions into making this, talking about all mankind. So that life that was there from the beginning is now the life of all mankind. So can you see how that switches from just being about breathing life into Adam into being life for all mankind? But this is also when the passage gets a little bit complicated because we start going back and forth between these images, life and light, light and life. Uh, and I kind of got, when I was preparing, I kind of got a bit mixed up. Um, and so I looked through the Old Testament and this is not a, a new thing to m make a link between light and life. This is not one of um, John's creative license uh, uses, uh, But if you look uh, in some Psalms, you can see this image of light and life coming back and forth a lot. So I'm going to read a few. You don't need to flip to them unless you want to. So John, uh, Psalm 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. 
Of whom shall I be afraid? Or there's Psalm 36, verse 9. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. So these sort of verses, light, life, kind of uh, are juxtaposed and are used often together. But then it gets really confusing in the New Testament. And again, I was sort of getting all mixed up when I was looking at these passages because uh, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And we know that one very well. Uh, No, he doesn't say that. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And then in John's gospel, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then in another point in John's gospel, uh, they say of John the Baptist, John the Baptist was not the light of the world. So I was kind of getting all confused because I was like, okay, so are we the light of the world? Is Jesus the light of the world? But then somehow John's not the light, John the Baptist is not the light of the world either. So you can kind of get stuck in a vicious kind of knot. Um, And so to figure this out, we kind of need to look at some other passages that um, John talks about. And so in John 8, 12, um, he speaks about this image again. He says, I am the light of the world. But then after that, he says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Again, light of life, life and light. So uh, Jesus is the light of the world. But whoever follows Jesus also has the light of life. What this means kind of becomes clearer when we look at another verse in John. He loves talking about light, John, even if you read his other, the other letters, 1st, 2nd and 3rd John. John 12, verse 36 says, Believe in the light while you still have the light, so that you may become children of the light, children of light. So this is when it sort of comes a little bit clearer. If Jesus is the light, then he is calling people to believe in the light while he's still on earth so that they may become children of light. So we are the light of the world because we follow Jesus, the true light of the world. And then we can kind of go back to chapter 1, a bit further on in verse 9. It says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So Jesus is the true light, and he gives light to everyone. John the Baptist is not that light, but he witnessed to the arrival of the light. And once Jesus came, the light, he came, he gave light to everyone. And after this, we are then able to be children of light and the light of the world. So that verse again, verse 4, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. This is the very life cycle of of church, light that brings life. Christ brings life at creation and then in him, through his saving work on the cross, the life that is in him is offered freely to us and we in turn, in following him, become children of light who in turn are the light of the world so that others may know the light that brings life then they follow Christ, the true light, who become children of light. You can kind of see that that cycle, that life cycle of what we're called to uh, in the church. But we're only four verses into the passage, aren't we? And uh, there's a really powerful verse. uh, And verse five is basically the reason I want to bring this passage to you this morning. Um, It's a verse that can help us persevere in our daily lives, in our lives as a church. Uh, and it's also, for me, it's a biblical approach to what we do, uh, what I do as a missionary, what we do in missions as a church. 
Um, and that verse is verse 5. Light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. So I'm going to read that again, and I want everybody all together, including you guys, to say not really loud, okay? So I'm going to read the passage, and when you know that, ver- that word not, I want everyone to say it really loudly so we don't get this confused. So light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not. That wasn't very loud. You've got to be like, sure. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So... Uh, Lourdes, this is a passage, important passage for me because Lourdes is in many ways a very dark place. Um, you can, especially in the winter when the weather doesn't help you feel like it's a light place, um, it, it's a very heavy place spiritually. Um, there's a lot of people with a very, very empty, desperate hunger that come to Lord. Like that's basically the reason people come to Lord because they're seeking, um, they're seeking healing, they're seeking um, some form of spiritual restoration, uh, and not they don't always they don't always get it. And they're also coming. Um, they might not always encounter Jesus on that path. They they are mostly coming because uh, Mary appeared. Uh, well, that's why they're coming. And um, so often they find themselves praying only to Mary and not actually coming to any encounter with Jesus. And so it's a very sort of depressing place to live, I guess. And so you can say you can sort of see this image of darkness um, so much so that when I moved there, one of my former neighbours in Biarritz, where I first lived, uh, kind of French people don't give you hugs, but she, I said, I'm moving to Lourdes, and she came up and she gave me this big, huge hug. She's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> She's not a Christian. And I said, why? And she said, oh, there's just something about Lord. I just, it's just so, there's something dark about this place. Um, and so I was really struck by the fact that even, and, and I've had that sort of, not quite that extreme reaction, but I've had lots of people um, who know God and who don't know God who just really don't like being in Lord because they're like, it just, it's heavy. It's dark. And I tend, in, in, in my missions walk, in my decision to go to Lord, it wasn't a decision of, I see all these people and I'm really sad to know that they don't know God. But what, I, what struck me the most, and that's kind of the way God wired me, is not to have this deep, I, I do have this deep heart to reach the lost, but it's mostly this um, awareness of how dark some places are. And, and Lord is one of those places that, you know, I can see it's so dark and I instantly start looking for that light. And so that's why it can get depressing because if you don't see much of that light for a while and if you've sort of, uh, and you've been in Lourdes for a while and I haven't sort of gone out to, to um, sometimes I travel an hour and a half or two hours to get to another church um, just to be refueled a bit on Sunday, refueled. And sometimes it's been a really long time since I've had that light, since I've been with other believers that, um, yeah, that have that light in them. So it's, um, it can get really exhausting being permanently in that space and so that's why church is so important um, gathering on a Sunday or gathering regularly together Um, but I used to feel really guilty because I didn't have the same kind of like you know desire to go out and tell everybody on the streets but at the same time what gets me up in the morning in Lourdes um, is that desire that I want to see light in Lourdes I want to see that spiritual kind of climate it's kind of like weather that spiritual darkness to go away and for that light to come And so that's why I'm so encouraged by this passage. Um, Light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has... 
Light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not. There we go. The truth of this passage is that the darkness will never win. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. The darkness will never win because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not. Getting there. Okay. What does it look like going into a battle that has already been won? Our body language should be different. We should have more confidence, more boldness, knowing that whatever happens, light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has overcome it. Um, One of the ways I like to connect with people in Lourdes is uh, through my running club. Uh, I'm I'm the slowest in the running club um, by a long shot. I'm definitely not an athlete, but I did train a few years ago to run a marathon which I ran slowly, don't have this image of me as some super sporty whatever. Um, but during, one of my tra- during my training, one of the longest runs I did was 32 kilometres. And one of my friends who's a very avid runner, he, he gets what they call podium spots. Um, we, that's the goal apparently in running clubs is to get podiums and the number of podiums that you get every year, first, second or third. Anyway, Pascal, who's a well-seasoned runner, he's actually here. Yeah, he's here. Anyway. Um, he warned me when he saw on Facebook, because a run doesn't happen unless you post it on Facebook. Um, <laughs> he saw that I did it and he said, oh, be careful, you don't want to get injured and it's, you've probably run too far during your training. Um, it's just a very big risk that you took in running the 32 kilometres. Um, and, and I sort of res- I thought about it and I agreed with him to some extent, but I said I needed to know that I could run that to know that I was going to make it on the day. So I needed that confidence, that sort of psychological barrier needed to be broken to have that confidence that I was going to make it. I needed that confidence that I could run and finish. So light shines in the darkness and the darkness has overcome it. Um, But to use another running analogy, I'm not obsessed with running, but they work really well in analogies. So I need uh, two volunteers grown up or otherwise, who are good actors. Yes? Okay, you guys. Okay, I want one of you to be Usain Bolt, you know the runner? I want you to give me your best Usain Bolt walk, one of you. He doesn't have a special walk, but how he walks before a race. Does anyone else want to, yeah, you want to give it a shot? All right, show us. <laughs> I don't know. Walk. How how you walk? Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's good. All right, and I want you to walk as if you're about to run in a race against Usain Bolt. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. That's great. Sit down. You can sit down. Great job. So I'm not this massive Usain Bolt fan, but. You, can, you know how he carries himself before a race. He knows he's going to win for the most part. Um, he goes into that race, he carries himself with confidence because he knows he can win, and for the most part, he will. So this confidence changes his entire demeanour and probably helps him win in some ways. Um, but if you saw his last race, uh, <laughs> we find out that he's still human. Um, but that's kind of what I want to call us to this morning in, this, in the way that we carry ourselves as Christians, in the way that we carry ourselves as a church, 
Um, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has no. overcome it. We cannot fail in what God has called us to do. Like we individually, we may fail, but the light will never fail. The light has not failed and it will not fail. And so when we go uh, into our daily lives and we go into work, when we go into whatever we might be doing, we can't be carrying ourselves as if we're going to fail, as if we're not sure what the outcome will be. We need to carry ourselves as if we know that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has overcome it. We know that we cannot fail because the light has not, the darkness has not overcome it. Because that, that verse is past tense. If we go back to the beginning of that passage and to the beginning, to creation, uh, one of the very first things that God did by his word is say, let there be light. The light shining in the darkness, has, that's been happening from the very beginning And then when the word, when Jesus became flesh, light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has overcome it. So I want to encourage us all this morning that no matter how dark it gets, um, no matter how dark society gets, because, you know, we're pretty much feeling that all at the moment, no matter where in the world you live, uh, no matter how dark the world gets, no matter how dark our lives get, no matter how sick we get, no matter how much life is a struggle, no matter how dark it gets, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it and it will not because it's already been done. It's past tense. So the answer is no. I looked it up. I cannot retroactively fail my Ridley degree. So I had no reason to be afraid. But just as I cannot retroactively fail my Ridley degree, the darkness cannot retroactively overcome the light. It's all done. And so as we go out this morning, perhaps looking out to the week ahead, the day ahead, uh, the years ahead, whether it's overseas or down the street, I want us to think about and make sure that we're confident that the word that brought everything into being that brought light into the world, that breathed life into Adam, is the same light and life that conquered death and brought us life and made us light. So I want to encourage you to go out, go forward, reach out, uh, not carrying yourself like someone who's about to go up against Usain Bolt, but like Usain Bolt, but even more so than Usain Bolt because you know that the light will not fail. We can go out with the confidence knowing that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has overcome it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for this uh, promise and this reality that, uh, that light will never fail and that your light has not failed. And, we, uh, and I ask you, Lord God, to show us each day as we go out, um, the victory and the certainty of that, um, of that truth. I pray that you would teach us um, to carry ourselves with the confidence that we have, that your light will not be overcome. And I pray that we, um, that we as 
the church body in Australia and beyond would be a confident and bold knowing what you have already overcome and knowing that the light will not be overcome. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.